Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I bring in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on how what it means to live your best life. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. You know how we do it around here. We always talk about personal development and how you uh, can live your best life and level up through entrepreneurship and finding that one thing that energizes your life and which you can bring out the best in you. Today's guest is JL. We're going to be talking about her journey to becoming a published author and how you, if you have that bug in your ear uh, to become an author and write a book, uh, she's going to drop some gems to help you get that as well. So for those who will be listening in the future on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Simplecast, JL, will you please introduce yourself? Hey, I'm JL. I am a young adult fantasy author, and I am excited to be here. Cool. Now, we go to school as, as children, and uh, you always hear, you know, go to school, get a college degree, you know, get you a job with some good benefits, especially if you are a person uh, of color. And normally those jobs end up, you know, you end up being a teacher, a social worker, a counselor, you know, uh, jobs with those bennies. And the whole idea of you chasing your bliss isn't something that people really talk about. How did you discover that you were a writer? And what was your process for figuring out that writing uh, was your gift to share with the world? You know, that's a great question. Words have always been sort of my happy place. Growing up, there was a lot of distraction in my house. Uh, just a lot of things going on to filter out. And so when I found myself <clears throat> needing to process things, words helped me do that. I remember, <clears throat> I remember I would climb into the top of my closet, that little shelf that's up there and hide just me, my journal and a flashlight. And I write down like every frustrating or painful thought I was having. It was a comfort to me. Words have always been a way for me to personally process and digest things. Um, I also really just find books and escape in general. So when it comes to write, writing as a gift, you know, I, I've never really thought of myself as gifted, to be honest. I really think I'm just regular old Jess. <laughs> um, I was the first in my family to finish high school and go to college and graduate school. Uh, but mid-graduate school, I, I actually left and became a teacher, which you, you, know, which you just mentioned. Uh, and I eventually went back and finished my master's. But teaching is where I realized that my love of literacy and reading was more of a gateway to freedom. Um, and I wanted to impart that on students and teens everywhere. So, I mean, I'm a writer, but with a teacher's heart. So even my books, uh, my books will come with lesson plan units to make it even easier for teachers to integrate 
um, into their classrooms. Just the opportunity to marry my two loves, my love of reading and then pouring into teens through writing has been, has been the best thing in the world, really. So once you realized that you had to write, there was something in you that had to come out, how did you get to YA? Um, and how did you discover your voice as a writer? You know, I believe children are the greatest investment we can make. Plain and simple, they are the future glass shatterers of our world. So I knew that I wanted to do something in like young adult um, or middle grade. You know, they're the next generation up to the plate, so to speak. So YA let me explore issues that are a bit more gritty. I really wanted to bring my voice and my life, where I'm from, to the page. Kids need to see the tapestry of their lives on the pages of books. They need to read characters battling issues they face. You know, I don't see a lot of that. More so lately in contemporary with works like Dear Martin and Poet X and Monday's Not Coming, The Hate You Give, um, but not as often as fantasy. There are some great pioneers in the industry that have led the change and opened the doors for the industry to see in the words of Nick Stone, black kids do read and white kids read their books too. We're a richer world when voices from all walks of life find their way into stories. I really believe that. Eyes are opened, hearts are encouraged, and milestones and achievement are made. That's where conversations begin. Um, and and I, think it's, I think it's a great place to focus my energy, setting this next generation that's up to the plate, just setting them on fire for change. So you're writing. You're feeling good about it. How did you, well, okay. A lot of times when people are sort of starting out doing something and I talk to people, you know, whether, you know, you're podcasting, you are starting to consult and present and we see different things. We read different things and you have to get to a point to where you know your voice, right? You know what is authentic to you so that you don't find yourself copying what other people are doing or being so influenced by what they're doing that you find yourself mimicking what they're doing. Describe your voice and where did the inspiration for Wings of Ebony come from? You know, that's a great question um, because I do totally see that for sure. Finding authentic voice I, if, I think is hard, <laughs> um, but I would describe my voice in Wings of Ebony and just really in general and everything I write is, is very, very raw and real. Kind of like I was saying earlier, I wanted to write from my authentic experience. I, I want my characters to be so relatable. They just crawl into, my, into teens' hearts and curl up there to knock aside any doubt that creeps in about what they're capable of achieving. If I've done that, then I'm living the dream. Specifically, though, the, <clears throat> the inspiration for Wings of Ebony, it really just hit me one morning. Um, I have the goal of getting up to write before the sun rises, but that happens much less often than I care to admit. But this particular morning, I was actually awake, and I was sitting there and just um, almost out of the blue, just very overwhelmed with this, this heaviness. Um, and I had an image in my head of a girl, a teenage black girl, who is watching the world around her chew up her people and spit them out. And she feels powerless to stop it. Um, 
And I just wanted to talk to her. I wanted her to know she wasn't powerless. So I put my fingers on the keyboard and just started typing. And that was my first chapter. Um, in terms of inspiration, like where the images came from, the setting of my book is my old neighborhood, actually, where I grew up. I grew up in Houston near the Yellowstone and Third Ward area. My family still lives there. I'm proud of where I'm from. That's another thing you'll find in Wings of Ebony. <clears throat> so many times, neighborhoods like where I'm from are portrayed as forbidden and full of quote-unquote bad things. I mean, I had a couple of friends growing up that couldn't come to my house to play because of where I lived. <laughs> and I wanted to remove the veil and show the beauty of life where I'm from because there is so so much beauty there. And when do we ever see that on bookshelves? You'll see a mix of, um, in Wings of Ebony, you'll see a mix of gritty, painful reality with like heartwarming moments of endearment. You'll be laughing one minute and crying the next. And if by the end of it, I've challenged outsiders' view of the where I grew up and the way they look at children from the neighborhood where I grew up in neighborhoods similar to that, if, they've, if I've challenged their perspective and their opinion on what sort of people, so to speak, come from those areas, then I've done exactly what I intended to do. So take me back to when you started to flush out the outline for the book. Who is Rue and what is her journey throughout the book? You know, Rue is straight up, okay? She's got attitude for days. She wears a chip on her shoulder, but she has a heart of gold. Um, I think many teens from all walks of life will find her really relatable. After that first chapter came to me, I really had to sit down and figure out what themes I wanted to explore in my story. Um, it was the first week of September. The outline came together quickly because I had a crazy goal of participating in Div Pit uh, on October 16th. And so I wrote the first draft in just over 30 days and then started revising and restructuring doing full rewrites of sections. It was nuts, <laughs> but it was really rewarding. Um, Wings of Ebony is a, is a YA fantasy novel. And I don't think I've said specifically what it's about. So it's about a black teen from the hood uh, who discovers she's half human, half goddess. The story explores the idea that, that a person's culmination of experience, you know, where they come from, who they are, is their source of strength. In the novel, Rue deals with a lot of competing issues. Her life is complex and layered, and she has multiple pressures on her shoulders. I think teens where I'm from will really find that relatable. Uh, when focusing on school isn't when focusing on school only isn't a luxury you're afforded because of the reality of your life, that's Rue. She's juggling so much and making mistakes along the way. <clears throat> and yet she's fearless. I mean, seriously, Rue is not somebody you want to piss off. I'm just I'm just saying. Um, there are kids everywhere, I think, like Rue, feeling defined by what people say about them. I want my readers to know they're capable of so much more than they could possibly imagine. And that's a lot of, <clears throat> that's a lot of what Rue deals with in Wings of Ebony, embracing who she is, not shunning it, leaning into her heritage, being proud of where she's from. I tell the teens I work with all the time, your story, who you are, where you're from, the mountains in front of you that you can climb, those are the things that make you who you are. That's your power, not your shame. I want kids to know they're powerful, <clears throat> all kids. And that's what Wings of Ebony is, uh, is all about, really. She deals with heavy stuff. Again, I think 
<clears throat> I think uh, it's a misstep to to not address those heavier things in in books because I think they're very relatable to teens because teens everywhere are dealing with real heavy things. And I think that they find more connectivity <clears throat> with books on shelves when they see the issues and the pressures that they face in books, in fiction, in fantasy. So YEA encompasses a lot of stories. What drew you to superheroes? It's interesting, you know, because when I think of superheroes, I think of the Marvel adaptations we've seen, and I can fangirl about those all day. But I wanted to make a statement with Rue by approaching the story in a fresh way. So you'll find a mix of fantasy in my story, both urban and second world, which I think makes it really, really unique. Um, When people think of the quote unquote hood, do they think of magic? Do they think of fearless girls with power beyond belief? I'd say no. And Rue's story is going to change that. And if I've written something, at the end of the day, if I've written something that inspires a teen to put down a phone and pick up a book, I'm slaying it. So let's talk about your writing process. What are some of your routines? So I start my day, or at least I like to, at 545. It's pretty uneventful for the first 15 minutes. It's just me hitting the snooze over and over. But by six, I'm, I'm getting into some cardio, usually um, wiping the crust from my eyes. And by 630, I sit down to write. I write for about two hours at minimum each day. And then I have some time in the afternoon built in to revisit writing things, whether it's reading or critiquing or any of those things. The weekends are hit or miss. I like to draft quickly. I can usually get two to 3,000 words down in about an hour, maybe two. Um, And so really the goal for me is to put a few words down each day. And I think writers starting out sometimes feel very overwhelmed by the process of what to write and where to go. And it kind of feels like walking a a marathon. And you know, really, it kind of is. But that's just the process, especially with your first book. So my encouragement to people that are interested in writing is to really just take your time, um, realize that there isn't a rush. Um, There's no right age. There's no right age to write a book. Um, You really can do it whenever you want. So don't feel like you're on someone else's timeline. And just put some words down, put some words down each day, make a habit of it. And you'd be surprised how when you write at the same time every day, when you sit down to be creative the next day, your brain is sort of already in that, in that mode. It's really helpful. Mm. How did you find a publisher? I I know a lot of people who they're self-publishing now and in the field of education, you know, they have, powerhouses like ASCD and Solution Tree. And then you have people like, you know, the hack education people and distant textbook people and uh, the pirate people. And then you have EduMatch Publishing, which I signed a deal to. uh, And I have a documentary coming out with them. But, you know, you can write that book and put all you you have into it and no one is biting for it, right? So how did you find a publisher and was it a difficult process for you? So, um, you know, you're really right. It, it is, I feel like the publishing industry is this vast ocean 
And I feel like sitting in my living room or in your living room, if you're listening, it's just, it's almost like an enigma. And it, I think though that there's a lot of information out there and more importantly, there's a lot of people in the industry that I think are willing to um, sort of remove the veil of how to get into writing and really come alongside you to help. There are a lot of <clears throat> mentor programs for writers, which is a huge deal. Um, Pitch Wars is a huge one. And the publishing industry uh, really comes out in full force in support of, of Pitch Wars, reviewing writers' pitches and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then there's all, also programs like Author Mentor Match, um, which I'm a mentor for this upcoming cycle. So there are programs out there um, that can help mentor your, your manuscript if you're trying to get it in front of publishing professionals. For me specifically, um, I participated in DivPit on Twitter in October. And to be honest, I went into it with zero expectations. Just to clarify, DivPit is a Twitter pitch contest. Um, there's this vast writing community on Twitter. So if you want to be a writer, Twitter is a great place to get connected. Um, just search the hashtag writing community um, and or hashtag DivPit, D-V-P-I-T, or hashtag PitMad, P-I-T-M-A-D. There are so many resources out there. But DivPit was one of the paths that I tried. And I say one of the paths because there's people's journey to publishing really varies. Some people self-publish, some people do pitch contests, some people just send in cold queries to agents. There's no right path per se. So really it's, it's being flexible and um, trying a bunch of options and being persistent. I chose DivPit. Um, and so I posted my pitch. I thought my story was pretty cool, you know, but when you put it in front of the world, like you're saying, you never really know, like, are they going to bite? Is it going to resonate? Are they going to love it? The concept behind it as much as I do. So I spent weeks perfecting my pitch and your pitch can only be like 140 characters. So it's, <laughs> it's a very small amount of words to kind of get somebody to read it and think, ah, I want to read that story. Um, and I, I sought out feedback again, agent, agent, um, literary agents and uh, published authors and all sorts of people in general will be offering uh, pitch critiques before these contests. So you can send your pitch to them and they will give you feedback on how to make it more, um, you know, stronger and increase the stakes and make sure that it has more of a hook so it draws more attention. And so I, I focused really hard on getting feedback first, um, asking lots of questions, doing tons of research. And then Div Pit Day came and you only have a finite hour's hours to post. So it's like 8 a.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern, I believe. I happened to be in a hotel in San Diego at the time. Long story, but I wasn't home. And because posting starts at 8 a.m. and I'm on the West Coast, I had to set my alarm for 4.45 in the morning because, you know, I need that 15 minutes of hitting snooze before my brain starts working. And even at that point, it's questionable for at least an hour. So I couldn't sleep the night before. I'd worked, getting this book ready so quickly, I'd worked 10 to 12 hours a day writing for just over a month. And I was worn out. Like, frankly, I was exhausted. So I really was hoping I could sleep the night before, but I couldn't. I put all I had into this story, uh, pain, tears, joy, so much joy um, on these pages. There was no way that I was going to sleep the night before the moment of truth to see, you know, if people liked it. So I went in, I posted my pitch. I was hoping to get 10 agents to like it. What happens is um, literary agents will look through the hashtag and pitches that they think sound interesting that they would want, they want to see a query for, they will click the like button. Publishing um, professionals, like publishers themselves, editors will be going through 
as well. And sometimes they will retweet your pitch if they like it as well, which is sometimes um, a way to say, hey, this sounds kind of interesting. So, hey, agents, this is something that I might like. Um, And as a writer, you can't, at least on this side of things, on, on the fiction side, you can't go directly to a publisher. You need an agent first. So these pitch contests is how you can get an agent. And that, I mean, there are agents that represent fiction and nonfiction. Um, this pitch contest, though, is specifically for fiction. So my goal was 10 agents. You know, I would like 10 agents to like my pitch and I'd, I'd feel successful for all of the work and energy that I poured in. So fast forward to that morning, I actually didn't need my alarm because like I said, I was watching the clock. I posted my first pitch at five in the morning local time and then I elbowed my husband he said something like good now get some sleep so I figured after posting I'd be able to finally fall asleep right <laughs> no I was um completely wired I mean the type of wired like you don't even need coffee I was so wired uh, my notifications started pinging and with every ping my heart just fluttered more and more by the end of the day I had over 20 um editors from larger press, a total of 20 editors from larger presses and some publishers from small presses retweet. Um, some even direct messaged me for to see my story once I acquired representation and I was just knocked off my feet. Um, so many writers even came out in support to congratulate me and wish me luck when they saw my div pit pitch, like killing it. I ended up with over 200 likes by the end of the day. Um, and even now, like that was a few months ago, but even now the pitch is almost to 500 likes. People really, 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 um, seem to resonate and be interested in at the very least in the premise behind my story. So that was really exciting. So from there, um, I put together a list of literary agents that I wanted to query, some that liked my pitch and some didn't. I really put together sort of a master wish list and I sent out query letters to them using the hashtag reminding them that, hey, this is the pitch that you liked during DivPit. And then everything started from there. Since Rue's story obviously resonated with the hearts of so many, I really wanted to try my shot at querying everyone and anyone that I dreamed of working with. And so after six weeks of querying, I got um, several offers of representation from different literary agents. So I got to pick which one I wanted to sign with from the people that offered. And I picked uh, Natalie LaCosta, Bradford Literary Agency. And boom, we jumped right into revisions to prepare for submission to publishers. Um, so it has been a crazy several months, <laughs> a crazy, crazy busy, like a roller coaster ride. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of, you mentioned, you know, is it difficult? I think that difficult may not be the most accurate word. I'd say it's trying, you know, becoming, becoming a writer is a trying experience because it's a constant battle of doubt. Doubt is insidious as a writer. One minute I'm gushing my chapter because my chapters made somebody cry. And the next minute I'm wondering how I could possibly write something worthy enough to go in a bookstore. So, and from what I hear, that's something all writers struggle with. Like doubt is just, it's part of it. You know, it's an up and a down. So I always tell writers in the query trenches that doubt is just something that you have to understand is going to come and then you sort of have to step over it you know it's sort of that familiar hurdle that keeps rearing its ugly head you face it you step over it and you keep moving and you'll get back to a place of oh my goodness I love this story and that's a big deal um pushing through and keeping keeping on or as my grandma would say keep on (laughs) awesome awesome so before we go 
What is your advice uh, for those educators who will be listening to this episode? Uh, they're interested in becoming an author. Uh, what do you say to them uh, to encourage them to go for it? And what pitfalls should they avoid? I love that question. So I guess if I could sum it up in three things. The first I would say um, is expect rejection. Allow for it. Make room in your heart for rejection because it is a guarantee. If you want to pursue traditional publishing, you will face rejection. It's just, again, it's part of it. But know that it's a stop sign. It's not a brick wall. You pause for a sec, you look both ways, and you keep driving. Um, rejection is just part of it. And I think that the more you're prepared um, for that going into the process of letting other people read your work, um, because if you're writing a story and you want to submit it for consideration to an agent for representation, you should certainly send it to writing peers first. Um, specifically, fellow writers can be super helpful because they understand the craft, so they look at your story a little differently um, than a reader would. You know, they're looking at it more critically in terms of structure and plot and characterization and emotional depth and narrative distance. Like they are looking at it very critically the way an agent would look at it. So you, it's it's ideal if the person that you have. Um, giving you feedback on your story is going to try to read it like an agent would instead of um, just sort of reading it for the enjoyment of reading it. Um, but when you do that, when you put your work in front of peers, expect not everyone to love it. Expect them to have uh, several suggestions of things for you to change. And I think um, oftentimes writers get super excited, send out a book, get it, get it, get feedback from someone. And the feedback isn't glowing. You know, their mom loved it and their aunt loved it and their sister loved it. And she is super picky. But then they send it to this fellow writer, this stranger, and the stranger has like 50 things for them to fix. And it sort of, it sort of puts you off at first, but that's just, um, because when you're sending it to a writer and I'm not, this is not a blanket statement because there are definitely some, I've heard horror stories of, of um, critique partners that have just been really snotty for no reason and have just ripped apart people's manuscripts just because they were having a bad day. But I would say that's the exception, not the rule. Um, my story has been read by, at this point, 37 people, fellow writers. And um, it's amazing what they see that, that we miss. Uh, when they comb through it. So just get prepared for the person you send your or the people you send your book to to not love it and to have um, suggestions for you to fix it. And then when you do get to the point where you're ready to send it to an agent, expect rejections. You won't, if you query 20 agents, it, the chances are very slim that all 20 are going to be raving mad in love with your story. A lot of writers, most writers query near 100 uh, of agents before they get one that says, okay, let's do this, you know? So just understand it takes a lot of persistence and there is a lot of rejection, but that does not mean stop. It means pause, evaluate, and keep pushing. The second thing is, is sort of obvious, but I think we could all use the reminder, is that your work, your writing is not your identity. Um, and it, this is a hard one, you know? It's hard to pour yourself into your work and then put it in front of someone and they don't love it. But remember, you are not your work. A rejection of your work isn't a rejection of you. Um, and then the third, I would say, <clears throat> is a big one. Don't idolize other people's paths. There are so many roads to publishing. So many people look at other writers and think, I'll never get there. Listen, I said the same thing to myself, you know, eight months ago. So like I tell my readers, 
in Wings of Ebony, I'll tell you too, you are capable of so much more than you can possibly imagine. So don't stop dreaming and striving. You got to push. If you really want to do the writing thing, you got to push. And by doing that, you will grow. Your craft will grow. And so you'll get really thick skinned about rejection too. So I believe in you just as much as you believe in me. And for anybody listening to this podcast, you can head over to my website. I specifically have um, a document there I put together just for Dr. Will's readers or listeners, I should say. uh, And it's called The Five Pitfalls of Getting Started Writing. And I hope that you find them encouraging um, and I hope they light a fire under your butt to put some words on a page and start pursuing your dreams too. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, JL, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, people. You're welcome. All right, people, you know how I do this. Uh, this podcast will episode will be on Spotify, Stitcher, Simplecast, and Apple Podcasts. I need you to subscribe, follow, leave your comments, rate, share it, because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I would like to thank my guest, J.L., for coming on the show and dropping gems. As people, this is the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, invest in you, EDU, peace.